Being courageous is probably the biggest message that I can give anybody because it takes a lot of courage to follow your dreams. And the reason why it does is because the disappointment is more than I think anybody could ever imagine it to be when it comes. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. This is the show where I interview East Idaho entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers, and learn their origin stories and how they're overcoming obstacles to achieve their dreams. I think by hearing their journeys, it can inspire us to follow our own dreams, and it's just fun to get, our no get to know our neighbors better. Today, I can hardly control my excitement for my guest. Uh, we, have, we are privileged to have Hannah Lynn of Hannah Lynn Art and Design with us today. So welcome, Hannah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, so for any of you who are not familiar with Hannah, you've got to check out her work on hannahlynn.com and see her amazing talent for yourself. Um, she'll tell you, I'm sure, but her products are available on Amazon and Etsy. I don't know where all it's, she's gonna tell us. Um, but she, she has incredible um, products and her talent is just being shared with all of us. Um, so Hannah, tell us, fill us in a little bit on what exactly I'm talking about. Tell the, tell the listeners what you do. Well, I am an artist, an illustrator. I draw character art like mermaids and fairies. And my main product uh, is coloring books. So I originally started doing paintings in full color uh, back about 13 years ago when I was a stay-at-home mom and I was doing it just for my own fun and as a hobby and it turned into a business and when I say it turned into a business I mean I turned it into a business it, did <laughs> it didn't not, just automatically no, it did happen. not just magically turn into a business um, but I was always look on the lookout for opportunities to you know, originally it was just to raise money for more art supplies because we didn't have a whole lot of money. We were living on one income and I was a student online and I had two young kids at home. Yeah. And so I started as a hobby and I thought if I could sell a few of these online and buy some more appropriate art materials because at the time I was working with, you know, Walgreens cardstock and <laughs> Crayola colored pencils, you know. You mean so, that's not what the professionals no, use? No, not huh? typically, okay. no, yeah. So I thought if I could raise a little bit of money, uh, then that would be enough for me. And so I started selling on eBay and it started getting uh, more popular because when you put something up for auction, you're allowing the marketplace to determine your value. Oh, true. And it started rising considerably. And it started getting to the point where I would get requests for prints because people went, oh, the original's getting out of my budget now. I used to be able to afford your stuff, but more people are bidding on it. And then I would get companies that would contact me and ask me if they could use my artwork on their products. And that's kind of how I started looking more at the opportunities for it to be a business. Yeah, so how do you even go about doing that? I, obviously, you've got a shop on Etsy. When it starts getting bigger than that, how do you know what next steps to take? Um, I think you follow your instincts on what is going to grow your business based on the opportunities that are presenting themselves at the time, if they make sense to you. Mm -hmm. There are certain things 
there are opportunities everywhere. That is the thing. They're trying to determine which opportunities to take is really where the complication lies. Yeah, because you could spread yourself pretty thin. You I can, mm -hmm. especially being an artist and working for yourself, being self-employed, there is no minimum wage. You can sell yourself for 50 cents an hour and the government does not care. <laughs> so you have to be very careful about these decisions that you make. And in the beginning, you kind of have to grab at everything. Yeah. I mean, you don't you're really just have making a name for yes, yourself. You don't even really have a choice. You're just kind of like, oh, somebody wants a commission. I'll take it. I, I'll, I'll do it for $50 or this or that together. And then as things grow and your time becomes more constrained, that's when you have to be a little bit pickier. Now, I've decided that really the way to go about it officially um, is to have the end goal in mind. So you have to have a vision. And when you have a, an end goal and a vision, so for my business in particular, I there are about a million ways to be an artist. I could design packaging for Hasbro as a freelancer. Okay. I could have paintings in Jackson Hole galleries, for example. I could, you know, um, design things for animation studios, or I can be a self-represented artist like I am now and license my work and publish books and things of that nature. So I think it starts with what you want. Okay. You know, you and have then to you have reverse it. engineer it. Right. And exactly. Out how to get you decide there. what you want and what your vision of your business is going to be and what your everyday life is going to be and how you fit into that business model. And then when the opportunities are presented to you, it makes it a lot easier to determine whether or not those opportunities are right for you. Because if it doesn't fit into the end goal, it makes it easier to say, no, I don't really think that that's going to be moving in the right direction. For example, if somebody came to me and they asked me to to do a mural on their wall, okay, so they offer me you know three thousand dollars or whatever to do a mural on their wall, that might be a wonderful opportunity for another artist, but it's not the right opportunity for me okay. because it doesn't fit into my long term plans of having a portfolio that gives me a more passive income. Okay, got it. Yes, I get that because then you can. That's what you're working towards having this portfolio that then creates income for you is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So how did you get to that? Uh, I mean, when you're starting out, you weren't trained as an artist. Like no. this is all self-taught, correct? correct? So you've just done this since you were a kid. Mm -hmm. How did you get from doodling as a kid? And I'm sure it was way better than doodling to really seeing this as something you could sell. Well, I've always been entrepreneurial. And I, you know, in fourth grade was drawing little bookmarks and going around in the apartment complex we lived in and knocking on doors and selling them for 50 cents to the old ladies in the wow. complex. <laughs> and then when I was in seventh grade, my science teacher paid me $60 to do a colored pencil rendering drawing of a bald eagle for his son for his birthday. Wow. And, you know, that's a long time ago. I'm almost 40 years old. So $60 back then was, was uh, that was a fortune to me. Yeah, especially as a 14-year-old, did you say? No, I was younger than that. I oh, was yeah. I was like 11. Oh, I think my I was gosh. like 11 years old at oh that time. Gosh. Yeah. So, you know, but what's crazy is that to me, it was so obvious to everybody else and it was something that I love doing, but I never saw it as an opportunity um, to be a career for me until much, much later in life. Mm -hmm. And that probably has to do with the fact that in the 80s and 90s, the internet didn't exist and the way that people became artists was a, just a completely different avenue. Mm -hmm. I mean, you went to art school, you got picked up by a you know major gallery or an animation studio or something of that nature. And so it wasn't, 
it wasn't the same as it is now. I mean, now it, anybody can be a business overnight and and be right alongside. I mean, with with these amazing collaborations with self-publishing services, you can be an author tomorrow if you have content. You yeah. Know? Wow. So. Yeah. Yeah. The journey isn't as difficult as it once was. So you, you talked about it starting out as a hobby mm -hmm. and because how long did it take for it to strike? How long were you selling before you were like, oh, I think I've got something more here than a hobby. Well, it's funny. It kind of happened in two different stages. I mean, as a supplemental income, it was great almost right out the gate. I mean, as soon as I started selling, it was probably about three months before uh, the little pieces that I was selling that were like a baseball card size were selling for about $75 wow. a piece pretty consistently on auction. And so... Did that surprise you? Of course it did. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and like, at the why time, are people buying this? Yeah, and at the time, my mortgage was like $650. You know, we had this little house that we'd yeah. moved from uh, California to Idaho. We had set everything up. We kind of sold what we had there. My husband was working um, in the auto body industry, and we, we'd set everything up to where we could live on one income because I wanted to stay home and raise the girls with, while they were little. So, you know, it's one of those things where any any extra income yeah, that comes our way is going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was, you know, happy with that for a while. Uh -huh. And I had a lot of my friends say, you know, this is really amazing. Like, the, you know, you could really do something with this. And I think the struggle for me was that I wasn't sure if it was going to make the difference that I wanted it to make in the world. I mean, I had this vision of... Originally, when I was in online school, I was headed towards working in education okay. and administration mm -hmm. and working with curriculum development in the schools. I had a passion for helping people. You know, I really wanted to make a difference. And so when I was doing my art as a hobby, I kind of liked it there, uh -huh. you know, for a while. And even making because the money that I was that making. that was going to take you to the next level. It was just this side gig. Right. And uh -huh. it was for me. Uh -huh. I, I was doing it for me. It felt really selfish, honestly. You know, even though people were buying it, to me, it didn't seem like it was going to have the impact, I guess, that I was hoping it was going to have. And the everything changed when I got an email from a woman who said that she was going into brain surgery and she took my artwork into the room with her before they put her under um, so that she could look at the artwork before she went into brain surgery because her doctors told her that, you know, having positive thoughts and being happy before she went into brain surgery was detrimental to her recovery. And wow. her, my artwork had that much of an impact on her to make her feel happy wow. that she was you know, doing that. And so that is I, a changing email. That I, was... it really changed my whole perspective on what I was doing yeah, and what kind of an impact art can have on people's lives and how amazing and transformative and connecting it can be. And so from that point forward, I realized that what I was doing, what seemingly felt like I was doing for myself could be really impactful to other people and yeah. that I should probably really aggressively pursue it as opposed to undervaluing it. Wow, that's a great story. Pretty inspiring. I can see why that was something that changed your whole perspective and why you were doing what you were doing and what you could do with it. So when you talk about that being, you wanna change people's lives, you want, you know, what is your vision? Do you have a vision? Like what is the vision for 
Hanalyn art, like change people's lives? Yeah, I like to impact people with art. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a language all on its own, just like music, mm -hmm. and that people connect to it and use it as therapy. And that's where the coloring books came into play because originally it was just the drawings and the paintings. Mm -hmm. And then some companies took my artwork and put them into uh, stamps, for example, like rubber stamps. And that kind of brought my artwork into the crafting community along with cross stitch charts, which is another kind of crafting community. And what I recognized from a business perspective is that the reason why these products were so successful is because there's a collaboration and a connection there between the artist and the person that's either stitching the artwork or making a card out of the artwork or coloring the artwork. And so they really appreciate that connection. There's, a, there's, there's an activity going on there. It's not just a surveyor of a picture on your wall. It's, it's a connection that's being made between the artist and the person that's enjoying it. And I realized that what art did for me when I was using it as an escape, when I was at home with two little kids who were climbing the walls and being in school and having stress, what I was doing for me, I could share with others. You know, I could create the artwork and then they could sit down with an array of colors and just color, color, color and enjoy it to their heart's content. And I remember distinctly thinking when I was in my painting mode, it was like I was in a completely different world. And I remember thinking, I wish everybody could experience this because it's really, really, truly transformative and it helps you escape, you know? So this adult coloring world that kind of came into view recently in the last few years is just perfect for that. Yeah, it is. So thank you for clarifying that. These really are meant for adult adult coloring books. I mean, they could be kid coloring books, but yeah, they're, they're all pretty ages. Intricate, in, in, intricate. Intricate. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, they are. So how... Tell me about that. You have thousands, I imagine, of illustrations. Like, how many? Do you even know how many you've actually drafted? Um, for the the official coloring books that I have on the market, I have close to four hundred. Uh -huh. But there's a lot more, of course, behind the scenes that were never turned into coloring pages, right. or they're just sketches in my sketchbook. And are you continuing to do that? Are you in the process of publishing any new coloring books? Like, where are you at with your business? Mm -hmm. I am. I, I usually produce about maybe two to three books a year. Okay. Um, but I also have a new monthly subscription service where I have kind of a little VIP club of people and they pay a monthly fee and they get an exclusive download each month um, along with discount codes and a few other goodies. And that I have hosted on a website called Patreon, which mm -hmm. is a website for creators of all kinds, people who do podcasts, people who have music, things like that to, to connect with the people that are really looking to, you know, feed the artist's vision and get a little reward in exchange. So I do that monthly uh, and I connect with fans on a personal level through a private Facebook group. So there's, there's that too. It's not just the artwork. It's also connecting with the fans and seeing what they're coloring and responding to that and then creating something special um, on their ideas. You know, they kind of get together and say, oh, we'd like to see this this month. And then I draw something up and, you know, post it and then they color it. And so we have a lot of fun. What a great business model. Your fans probably really feel like a part of you because you involve them in making those decisions on what you're drawing. It sounds like a great 
great little fan club. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. I, and I started my business on building personal relationships. I mean, personal relationships are probably the best thing that any business can do you know, for themselves. And in my business in particular, I started doing things like, you know, comic conventions and farmer's market and the state fair and book signings. And so building those personal relationships was something that is, was a foundation of my business. So I just continue that online and I, and I actually really enjoy it. You know, I, I really like interacting with the fans and I'm on social media all the time, which is why I decided to create the closed Facebook group and turn it into a subscription service because I had the thought one day where I thought, you know, boy, I spend an awful lot of time, you know, interacting with my fans and I love doing it. I'm on Facebook all the time, probably more than any person would ever want to admit. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, this would probably be a lot less embarrassing if I got paid for it. <laughs> I and then I can say it's my business. Yeah. So I found a way to monetize it so I could use that as an excuse to continue to be on Facebook more than any person ever really should. <laughs> so you ignore that screen time that comes up and tells you oh, how much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. It just tells me how many hours I've worked. You know, you're, you're like, thank you. Yes, just of course. Just validates it. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that personal connection. I, um, How do you do that, though, as your fans have grown? Like, can you give me an idea? What is your Facebook group? How many people are you interacting with? Well, I have my Facebook page, which is just your, you know, right. average business page is getting ready to turn over to about 40,000 likes. Uh -huh. And then my VIP group, Patreon supporter patronage, is at about almost 500 people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. It is a be. lot of people. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, and I will cap that particular group out at about 4,000 people. Okay. I don't really want it to get any bigger than that. Mm -hmm. There is another fan run Facebook group on uh, Facebook, which is a about 3,800 people, maybe close to 4,000 people. And actually that group is what in, inspired me to create the other group thinking, you know, there's 3,800 people here that have, that enjoy my artwork enough to be in a group that's solely based on my artwork where they can share, you know, finished coloring pages and talk about my work. And so I thought if I could find a way to, you know, maybe provide some exclusive content for these people that are extremely interested in my work, then I could have another business model to, to help me monetize it. Yeah, it's fantastic. You seem like you have figured out this online business world pretty well. I, I like I like to be online. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I really do. Now, did I see something, and maybe this was old and I just picked up on it, but are you in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign or are you kicking off? I am getting ready to launch one on Friday. Yeah, so yes. talk to me about that. Yeah, so I, you know, I use Amazon as a self-publishing service and they give us one paper option and one binding option. And the thing about Amazon self-publishing service is it truly is amazing. Mm -hmm. I, it's incredible. I create the content, I upload it, they handle all of the shipping, all the customer service issues, wow. all of the returns, and then I just get a royalty on every copy that they sell. And you don't have to have that product sitting in your garage. Correct. Wow. And it's print on demand, which means it doesn't cost me anything. I mean, anybody can publish a book on Amazon and it's zero dollars. Even wow. for an ISBN, they will give you an ISBN number. You don't have to register anything. You don't even have to put copyrights that on anything. That is amazing. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, just, get it up there. So I use that model pretty exclusively for publishing my books. The uh, paper quality is okay. 
you know, most people find it to be acceptable. There's a lot of people that like, uh, that are really into coloring that like a higher quality paper. And for that purpose, I sell a PDF file so people can they print can on, on their whatever. own paper. So I thought since I've been doing this for, I mean, I've been doing coloring pages for probably about 10 years. I used to do these loose leaf coloring books out of my basement. I had a little sweatshop running with my kids when we had, <laughs> when we had Comic-Con or something coming up and I needed lots and lots of copies, <laughs> I would pay them to sit down there and stuff and throw candy their way and everything. Yes. And Cheap labor. yeah, so when they, I was doing that well before the adult coloring craze hit. And so when it did hit, it was beyond what I could handle. And I had a decision to make. I could either get a warehouse and start hiring some people or I needed to find a way to make sure that I could get these produced without having to hire people. Now, this is where we kind of loop back around to that vision, the ultimate vision that we were talking about. Now, hiring a bunch of people and being a manager and packaging and shipping and having a warehouse sounds like a lot that, yeah did that fit <laughs> into my vision because that's what everybody else was telling me to do yeah right that's your next step right that's your next step that's what you do you hire people and that's how and that's how you grow your business so i decided i didn't want that <laughs> you know yeah, i thought boy, to myself no if that's i could step. i thought to myself if i could craft the life that i wanted if i could be who i wanted to be tomorrow Let's just take away all of the preconceived notions about what I'm capable of, what I'm not capable of, what I have money for, what I don't, education, financial means, and wipe it all away and say, what would I want to be? It's an author, an artist. Not a distributor. Not a distributor. Mm -hmm. Not anybody who's, you know, I, I, I've, been an, I've been a manager before. I was in management when I was 19 years old running a coffee shop and I've been in insurance and it's not that I can't do it. I think there's a, 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 a difficult, there's a disconnect between what we want and what we think we're capable of. And yeah. when somebody asks you, what do you want? Typically what comes out of your mouth is what you're capable of. Yeah, exactly. Not what you actually want. So kind of going back to what do I really want? It's, I don't want to be a boss because being a boss for me was very restrictive. As a creative person, I need a lot of freedom. I need a lot of quiet time. I'm typically an introvert that can be extroverted, but I need a lot of personal reflection time. And having to go to an office every day and manage a bunch of people- Was not the right fit for you. Wasn't the right fit for me. Yeah, I can see that. So uh, back to Kickstarter, how'd you get to that? So I decided that I wanted to do a special project for my fans because I've been doing this for so long. Like I said, I've been doing this for 10 years and I have 11 different books with a 12th one in the works. And so I thought, let's do a special project. You know, let's give my fans that are really into coloring something special that they can use and treasure that really highlights my work in the way that it should be as opposed to just what Amazon has to offer because if they offered better paper options and things I would I would definitely that take would them up it. on that mm -hmm. and and provide my customers with something better. So, we're going to do a best of fan coloring book that's going to include 45 different images that will be voted on by the fans so oh, they'll get fun. to choose. We'll put 
all 400 images of a, you know of the coloring pages up and everybody's going to like which ones and then we'll we'll choose that way and then i'm going to do 10 exclusives for this same book and we're going to make it on really nice 100 pound paper and we are going to have a top wire binding as opposed to a oh, regular yeah. binding uh -huh. and then i'm also going to include a collage of fan finished coloring pages on the back so it's going to be kind of a fun collaboration because that's really what this is i mean i i don't know if you've looked at my page or any of the groups that i run but the stuff that they post of my finished work it's is amazing. insane they're oh, so talented i mean just beautiful neat. beautiful stuff yeah and a lot of the pages that i've created i've not even turned into a full color artwork before so when they posted it the first time i've like, ever seen it's it in better color. than my vision and even. i'm like this is beautiful you know so it, it's How gonna fun. be really fun yeah so it launches on friday and then it'll run for 30 days and that would be it depends on when we drop this episode friday's the day the 29th 29th yes. of march okay yep yeah, how fun. And how long did you say it runs? 30? 30 days. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if any of you are interested, get in there and support this. Tell us a little bit about how Kickstarter works for those who might not know. Yeah. Do they get their book? Obviously, they don't get it right away because you still have to choose which ones are going in it. Right. Kickstarter is a crowdfunding campaign where creative individuals can go on and put a concept out there and say, this is what I'd like to do, uh, but I need the funding to move the project forward because... As opposed to the business model where I publish something on Amazon through their self-publishing service, which is print on demand and costs me nothing, ordering a special book like this costs me a lot of money. Yeah, uh, there so are minimum some, orders. Yeah, upfront things that you've got of to course, pay. and there are minimum orders for funding as far as how many books. You know, ordering 250 book run is a lot more expensive per book than ordering a thousand or two thousand books. So getting all of that information, you're basically pre-ordering a copy of the book ahead of time. Then the project moves forward. There's going to be a lot of, you know, things in the way that I have to create some new artworks and I have to get artworks from fans and we have to do the voting process yeah. and then we have to get the books manufactured and then they have to come to me and I have to process them. So will you them. only do all of that stuff after it's funded? Correct. Like once you hit your funding, mm -hmm. then you go forward with all Kickstarter that. is an all or nothing project. Yeah. So if we don't hit the funding goal then it doesn't go anywhere and the project falls flat. And then if it does, then we move forward and, you know, the cards are charged at the end of the pledging period if, you know, the yeah. the project hits its funding goal. So, Great. and we have a lot of stretch goals too. So if we hit, oh, if we overreach the funding goal, we have lots of fun special things like we can double the amount of pages that are inside of it because if we order enough copies, it, it doesn't cost that much, that much to more. add extra mm -hmm. pages. So mm -hmm. fun things like that, stickers and rewards. I love so. it. Once again, though, you're bringing the people who have basically created this business for you by buying your artwork, uh, involving them, helping them feel like a part of this decision. So I think that's fantastic. What a great connection you have with your community. Thank it's you. It's inspiring. My fans are very important to me. I can tell. And it's it makes a difference, I think, in, in how you uh, how successful you are when you involve the people who are helping you become who you are. Yeah. So it's fantastic. Um, customers or whatever that looks like. So you sound very confident about this. I I love your story, but have you faced any challenges or times when you had self-doubt that held you back from taking those next steps? And if you did, how did you overcome that? You know, I think it's a balance between being courageous and being cautious. Learning which is which and when to move forward with what is something that comes with experience. 
Um, I've failed many times. <laughs> I've, <laughs> yes. I've cried many crocodile tears. <laughs> I've actually given up multiple times, you know, and then you just get up and you get back to work the next day. Um, it's being courageous is probably the biggest message that I can give anybody because it takes a lot of courage to follow your dreams. And the reason why it does is because the disappointment is more than I think anybody could ever imagine it to be when it comes. When you put yourself out there and you dream really big, when you say, this is what I want and I'm going for it, when it doesn't work out, it's extremely disappointing. Yeah. It's difficult. And to, it's a decision point for you. Yes. Like I'm giving up or right. dusting myself off. It's, it's very difficult. Um, and so it's extremely emotional <laughs> and it's very personal. And it's at that point, not just business. It's your life. And am I even meant to do this anymore? You know, yeah. is what you're thinking when the failures come. Uh, so, but the other thing that I've learned through experience is that those are the turning points that make you or break you. And typically at the very point at which you're ready to give up, there's something extremely amazing on the other side of it. Oh, so true. When you push through that wall, there's something really cool there. There was a point in time where I was that transition of the coloring books, for example, where I was going from printing and hand, handling everything myself in my basement to moving to the self-publishing through service through Amazon, the transitional point in there was forced. It was not something that happened accidentally. It was, I had an assistant at a, at a certain point, and this was before I had decided like, I don't wanna have employees. I, I had an employee, I had an assistant for about a year, and she left on her own accord and it didn't, it didn't turn out really well. And I went through a really emotional time deciding which way I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Did I want to hire somebody else? You know, and when she left, I, I was now left trying to package and ship all Everything this stuff. Yourself. And I wasn't able to create anymore. Yeah. And so while I was grateful for the sales and I was extremely hopeful that things were moving in the right direction, I was stuck mm -hmm. because I'm shipping all day. And at this point, I might as well be shipping shoes. I'm not drawing anymore. But I'm also at that point where I don't want to hire another person. Mm -hmm. So here I am thinking, want my cake and eat it too, just like everybody else does, <laughs> right? You know? So I racked my brain and racked my brain and racked my brain. And every day I went down to the basement and I was packaging books and I thought, I can't do this anymore. I have to figure out a better way. I've got to figure out a better way. I've got to figure out a better way. And it forced me into searching for a way to outsource that printing, packaging and shipping so that I could be free to create again. And that is when I discovered Amazon's self-publishing service, which changed my life yeah. forever. The book sales that I had were nothing compared to when I put my books on Amazon. Wow. So I recognize now, looking in hindsight, that had she not left, I would have stayed in that comfort zone and I would not have had to make that decision to outsource my printing because I wouldn't have been in such a desperate situation to make a decision of that nature. So I try now to look at every challenge as an opportunity to see what is it trying to teach me? Where is it trying to push me? Yeah, what opportunities is it go? opening up? 
Well, I'm smiling from ear to ear here because I just love this. And I think so often those decision points are when amazing things either get decided or put in the trash. And, you know, we never see somebody's talent or, or you know, what they can give to the world because they're not willing to push through. So I love that advice and hope that we all can really listen to the fact that just push through. Like, uh, I think um, I've quoted it before, but there's some quote that says, um, you only fail when you give up. Like all the rest of the failures are just learning opportunities. So That's true. Don't give up. Uh, now, I think you had maybe um, mentioned to me earlier about how uh, you you were just kind of a scrappy kid. Like you were pretty dedicated and you found your own way and you and it sounds like you just continue to do that. So what was it that helped you with that drive? Were you just born that way? Is that the way you were your creator made you to be just a tenacious little scrapper? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think most people would call me uh, passionate. Yeah. Some people would say I'm a spitfire. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm definitely, I've always been very driven. I mean, even when I was a, a young child, I had straight A's in school and I was always kind of pushing for that, you know, that next thing. And I always had a lot of things going on. And then when I got out into the workforce, I worked at a coffee shop starting at 17 years old and I moved up through you know, all the promotions from $4 an hour to taking over the store at store manager at 19 years old wow. and having 12 employees and wow. you know, hiring and firing and all that fun stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah a lot always, of responsibility at a young age. Yeah. You know, I think it's just something that, you know, I just think that if you want something that you can have it, if you work hard enough at it, that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, they're very comfortable with where they're at and they really don't want more. They might say yeah. that they do, but it's your actions that really show, you know, and that, I think that word action, we have, we have two words, opportunity and action. And those, that's where the difference is. They have to go together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's one thing to want something and there's a, there's another thing to make it happen, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm just a firm believer in if you continue moving forward and you want something uh, and you keep pushing for it, that you'll get it. You'll get there. It's fantastic. Thank you for that inspiration. So talk to me a little bit about how your family supports your business. We already know that you had child labor. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, having um, a self-made creative in the home um, where you were just kind of doing this as a hobby. Talk to me a little bit about how that has been supported and, and where your family is with that now. So I have two daughters and they are currently now 13 and 15 years old. And then my husband who was working in the auto body industry for many years. And so he was the the breadwinner of the family. And then I was supplemental. And so we ran that way for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it, when my business started to grow, it was very, very difficult. Um, There were probably many, many, many conversations over many years of when do we make this switch from you working a normal job to now I'm the one that's carrying the weight. Because you never saw that that was gonna probably be the structure. No, but I saw when the opportunity started to present itself and that is when the courageous versus cautious conversation played over and over and over again in our heads going, okay, we have two children, we have a house, we've got medical bills or medical insurance, we have you know all these different things going on and so it's not, 
that easy. You know, it's not like we're just 20 somethings and we have nothing to lose. You know, making that switch is very difficult. The problem in our unique case was that he was working a full-time job and then I was working as much as I could, but I was always having to take the kids to school. Yeah, you're or, still being a mom. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. the, and they had to come first. Yeah. You know, and my stuff was kind of on the side. As it started to grow, it was a, I had to make sure that I was in complete control. I, I had to make sure, and that's probably part of the reason why I made the switch to Amazon is that I had to be able to have me run my day, not my day run me, because I've already got obligations as a mother, right. you know, to take the kids to school and to go to the grocery store. And now we're going to the dentist. And, you know, so the issue came in where, you know, we started seeing more of a, an increase in my income and seeing the opportunity for, well, if, if this is how much I can make working two or three hours a day and then doing Imagine. the rest of mom stuff, mm -hmm. if you left your job and took over these duties for me, I could logically work three or four or five more hours per day and we should be able to make up your income. You know, that's that's a big leap. <laughs> it's logical. It makes sense. Yeah, right. But emotionally, yeah, that's a big hurdle to climb. Right. Mm -hmm. So making that decision was huge. It took us a long time to do it. Um, and, and we really settled on the fact that just like everything else in life, there is never going to be a perfect time to make such a dramatic change. Mm -hmm. At some point, you have to make a decision and you have to move forward. And then you have to just deal with what comes as it comes. Because the truth truth is we're still doing that. We were doing that before. Yeah. You know, you're still going, well, I don't know how we're going to afford a new roof and I'm not sure how <laughs> we're going to so do true. this. Something or, every day. You know, there's always something that's going to come up. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, well, let's make sure we have, you know, some sort of safety net set up, you know, with some savings and then it's just not going to be perfect. We're going to have to make the switch. It's going to be rough for a couple months. Um, but my husband also was running a locksmithing business on the side for a little while. Uh -huh. And we were originally planning on growing that to where he could make the switch and then take calls kind of in between Have a little more flexibility. Me. Yeah. And so that is where we are currently. He, okay, reopened, he reopened his locksmith business. And so he primarily runs the kids around, you know, does the grocery shopping, things like that, while I pretty much lock myself in my office all day long. Yeah, what, how long does it take for you to create? I mean, you're, it, this is a little bit of time that you have to have to be able to create a page of illustration. Well, I'm everything. Oh, I'm absolutely true. everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm the I'm the CEO. I'm the yeah. marketer. I'm the social media manager. I'm so the it's accountant. Not just drawing. It's everything. Uh, yes, I'm the I'm the design manager. I do all of my own graphics. I do all of my own you know writing and web development and advertise absolutely everything I do myself outside of what Amazon does for me, which is to print and package and sell, you know, my books, which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that was a, one of the best decisions I ever made was to partner with something like that. And then also, you know, doing my monthly subscription for Patreon uh, or Patreon with, you know, PDF downloads because PDF downloads can be distributed uh, with a lot less effort uh, to more people mm -hmm. without having a lot of burden on me right. to distribute right. it. It's right. more automatic, you know, automated type of thing. So yeah, he now takes calls, you know, in between and on the side and he's so talented. I mean, he knows <laughs> he how to do. get into anything and I mean, he can be gone <laughs> for an hour and he's like, yeah, I'm done for the day, you know, and, and still make really good yeah, supplemental right. income. Right. I mean, uh, is he enjoying this role? Yeah, 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 he is. Awesome. He's we, you know, we just went to Jamaica to celebrate our twentieth wedding anniversary. Which our wedding anniversary is actually in May, but 
who wants to travel outside no, of Idaho in May? It's to gorgeous go in, yeah, here. March. We went in March. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's getting used to the idea of being able to go on vacation and do yeah. things without having to ask somebody first and without right. feeling guilty that he's leaving you know, something behind that he now has to come back to. So congratulations yeah, to you guys. Thank I think you. that's so fantastic. And, and that, you know, he's good about supporting you and, and helping you with your dreams because it's paying off for your whole family. So I'm glad yeah, that's it is. great. So what advice would you give to other individuals considering self-employment? Um, and maybe it's advice that you'd gotten from someone that had inspired you. What, what do you think you could tell the listeners? Well, self-employment isn't for everyone. That's first and foremost. Some people aren't self-disciplined enough to, yeah. you know, continue to produce things if they're not being held accountable. And that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you have to position yourself and your business in a different way. If you feel like you have to have external motivation, then you may want to uh, sign up for things that force you to follow a certain protocol. Patreon advice. is a perfect example. If you promise a certain amount of rewards per month and you have people that are paying for that ahead of time, then you've kind you of locked deliver. yourself into a position of having to deliver something on a monthly basis uh, to your, you know, to your fans. So you know, getting mentors, people that can, you know, push you in the right direction that know more than you do. There's always going to be somebody who's smarter than you that knows more than you do that you can consult with, you know, um, having meetings and getting into groups. There's a lot of local groups that you can get into that have business owners that meet on a regular basis that you can speak with and bounce ideas off of. And really it's just about being a resource and using your resources, yeah, you know, so great. we all have something I think to bring to the table. Great advice, thank you so much. Okay, I always ask, well, I try to ask, do you have any books or other sources of inspiration that help keep you going that you would recommend, uh, podcasts or something that maybe the listeners could tap into that maybe has inspired you along your journey? I think the, a couple of the most recent books that I've read that I really enjoyed was The 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah. Uh, because it was very logical to me about, you know, how do you reduce the amount of clutter on your own plate <laughs> as a business owner? Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, get to that dream where you're not, you're not working all the time? <laughs> yeah, like where you're actually enjoying your life. I mean, it, it just, it, what, with what's in line for your vision for yourself, like I said, I... I love my work and I enjoy it immensely, but I also want to travel and spend time with my kids. And I like to take things slow in the morning and, you know, spend time with my husband and things like that. So, um, and then the other book was The Year of Yes by uh, Shonda Rhimes, I think is her name. And that was pretty inspirational because I think it's takes things kind of more from a personal perspective. Um, she's the writer behind Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. And so she kind of made herself human and saying, you know, I'm scared of doing these things. And just because somebody does something, like just because I put my artwork out there or just because you see me on a live video on Facebook doesn't mean I'm enjoying it immensely. Yeah. It means that I'm overcoming my fears. I'm tackling the things that scare me head on because I know that what's on the other side of them is amazing. And winners do 
what losers won't. So you've got to get out there and do the things that scare you. And so that book in particular was really motivational to me in, you know, saying yes to things that you don't really care for. Like public speaking is not really my thing, but here (laughs) we are. But you do such a good job. So congratulations. I I would not have ever known that. Um, Okay. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners uh, that you haven't had an opportunity to say? You've given us so many great nuggets today. I'm excited to to share this with everybody. Is there anything else you want to share with them? I think the only thing would be to head to my website and uh, check out some of the free downloads that I have. So if you're kind of on the fence about whether or not you'd be interested in coloring or coloring my work, I have a 12-page download for free that you can just go in there and download and print off and get to coloring. Thank you. We're excited to, I I may just take that up. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on the show today. It's been so fun to hear your story and to learn how your life has shaped you to share your talent with the world. Thank you for making our lives a little more beautiful with your art and your products and good luck on your Kickstarter campaign. Uh, Listeners, please support her and let's blow up her goal. I can't wait to see what you have in store for us uh, and for your fans next. You you, You treat us well. So um, as a reminder, East Idaho Entrepreneurs uh, podcast is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. Come see us for all of your car care uh, needs and uh, let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for tips and tactics for life and business in our business leadership moment coming up next. See you next time. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneurs podcast. Welcome to the Business Leadership Moment. This segment is sponsored by RiseCon, an East Idaho business conference that's held every November, and they also have a monthly executive event called RiseX. This is like a mastermind group, except on steroids a little bit, because you get to be taught by an industry leader, and then you have an opportunity to debrief with the members of your table about your business and really come up with good solutions that you can take away from that moment. I can tell you Oswald Service has already benefited from this. We've had a lot of takeaways that we've been able to implement, and we've seen results. So I really encourage you to check it out. And if you're interested, go to www.risecon.com. And remember that RISE is spelled with a Z. Okay, today I wanted to talk about the power of a smile. Now, that might not seem like it's a specific business leadership moment because it's not. It's a human need, and I think it translates whether you're a parent or a coworker or a business leader or you're in the grocery store. I think this is something that we can all do a little bit more of. So I want to tell you a story. I had an opportunity to be at a business event Um, And I'd gone to the event and then left and went shopping. So I was at Sam's Club. And you know, that place is enormous. So I started shopping and I was walking around and I was noticing that individuals at Sam's Club that day seemed way nicer. Uh, They were smiling at me and seemed, you know, like I got their attention. We had this little connection and I'm like, gosh, what's going on? People are just so cute. One one person interacted with me kind of on a funny way. Um, and I just really enjoyed the connection that I was having with people. And I started thinking, yeah, what is it? Am I carrying myself better today? What, you know, am I cute? I don't know. Does my hair look good? Um, and anyway, I was having these thoughts and continuing to shop. And I ran into an individual that I knew. 
And we were talking and she's like, hey, by the way, nice name tag. And I looked down and on my shirt, I had this bright white and red sticker stuck to me that said, hello, my name is Renee. Um, And so it gave me a little bit of a giggle. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's why people were connecting with me a little bit more. Uh, You know, I had that right on my shirt. And I don't know if it gave them a little opportunity to feel more welcome and connected with me. So it was a fun thing that happened. But I, you know, I was like, wow, how much that did for me that day for people to just smile and to connect with me. was it just made my day and it helped me be more confident. It's funny how that happens, but I was. I also had the opportunity just this last week to be on a college campus. And it was a fantastic place and man, busy, right? Because there's college students all over the place. I had an opportunity to go to one of their classes and I was unsure what building I was supposed to go in. And so all these college students running around, I thought, well, I'll just catch one of them and they can tell me. And as I started paying attention, I noticed that so many of them were connected. They were had headphones on or they were FaceTiming or they were looking at their phone or they were just looking down. Um, and isn't it interesting in this day and age, and I know you've heard this before, Of any time when we are most connected uh, with our social media and, you know, I'm reaching out to people from high school that I never would have the opportunity to see and family, how disconnected we really are. Because right there on that campus, I witnessed how close people were in proximity to one another, but yet how very far away they were. took me a while to find somebody that wasn't so into their phone Um, that I could interrupt and say, hey, where's this building and where am I going? And, you know, I got the direction that I needed. But as I was pondering that, I I, I left the class that I had the opportunity to be in. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just test this out. So as I left, I made sure that every single student that I came in proximity with I looked them in the eye and I gave them a big smile. Now, some of them didn't look back at me, but so many of them did. And for that instant, we had that connection and they smiled back. And man, that is a great feeling to just have that connection, to know that that smile for that split second made my day. And hopefully it helped them feel a little bit, you know, their burdens feel a little lighter for that very moment. So It was a great lesson for me, and I just had to talk about smiling, and I love to smile. I'm like Buddy the Elf. Smiling's my favorite, and I just want to encourage you as you go about your day to just give a smile away. I promise it will come back tenfold, Um, and I'm telling you, I'm smiling from ear to ear right now for you, and I hope that you can feel it, and you have a great day, and pass on the joy that you have. Um, even if just for a split moment to somebody else today. All right, have a great one, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.